At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 490th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Hello, everyone. I want to take a few minutes to talk to you about how we make the Urban Farm Podcast come to life. My team and I pour our time, hearts, and dollars into every episode to bring you food-growing education and inspiration every week, and we love doing it. I see firsthand how food-growing changes people's lives for the better, and I've made it my mission to spread the knowledge far and wide. By creating this podcast, I have the great privilege of interviewing some absolutely amazing people and providing a platform for you to learn from their experiences and expertise. The impact that this work has on the global food consciousness community is extraordinary. This is all thanks to my team and their efforts, five of us that work every week to find guests, set up interviews, write out questions, prepare show notes, edit episodes, and more. We've tried partnering with companies and running ads to pay for our work, but something about the ad model just doesn't feel right to me. If I'm advocating for something, I want it to be something I truly love and believe in. So I've decided to try a different model, one that I believe is possible to pay our team and bring even more value while keeping the podcast free and accessible to everyone. So instead of selling ads, we have created the Urban Farm Podcast Patron Program. If you find value in our podcast, you can go even deeper by becoming a member of our patron community. In exchange for subscribing, you will receive content and bonuses far beyond the free podcast episodes we offer. No matter what level you subscribe at, I'm committed to making sure the value you receive goes far beyond what you contribute. Did you know that the Urban Farm podcast is not my first? Over a decade ago, my friend Amy and I hosted the Freshly Green podcast, 50 episodes of Everything Green. As an Urban Farm podcast patron, you will get access to them, plus cool things such as discounts on Urban Farm U online courses and access to our private Facebook community where you can interact with other food growers and share stories and advice. My favorite offering for our patrons is our monthly Q&As with Urban Farm U's Advanced Gardener Team, where we answer your questions live. It's basically having your own private gardener at your fingertips. I'm excited for the mutual exchange that comes from this model. And when you support the Urban Farm Podcast, we support you to take your garden to the next level and beyond. The Urban Farm Podcast will remain free, and I hope that those of you that believe in what we're doing and are excited by our patron benefits will take advantage of what we're offering. I truly believe this model of support will be a win-win all around. 
For more details about member benefits and to sign up to pledge your support, go to urbanfarmpodcast.org. Thanks for sticking with me through this message. Now let's get to the episode. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is passionate about the most commonly pickled vegetable in all of its varieties. We're talking with Jay Tracy about cucumber, melons, and more. Jay began gardening in 2006 in Tucson, Arizona, then moved to Fairfield, California for cooler weather and health reasons. In Fairfield, he has three large gardens. He'll have to tell us why they're in different places. One at home, two at nearby friends' houses, and one greenhouse. His blog, scientificgardener.com, is where he records his experiments and discusses his love of gardening. Early in his gardening life, he found an interest for growing cucumbers and has experimented with common and not-so-common varieties, and with each success, he expands to even more rare varieties. Over time, his hobby has expanded to a small business known as the Cucumber Shop. Welcome to the show today, Jay. Are you ready to rock cucumbers? You bet. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Definitely. First, I want to thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Yeah, but I'll just stop it. <laughs> but thank you so much. Absolutely. So my grandfather was a mechanical engineer. And my father was an electrical engineer. And you're probably wondering why I'm bringing this up. So I decided to become a teacher, but my constant need to work out complex problems began surfacing when I started my first garden in Tucson. So, mm, right. Um, yeah, yeah. As you already probably know, the desert southwest, can be a bit challenging in the month of June to grow anything in. Um, oh, yes. So the first year, I direct seeds some cantaloupe and watermelon and had some success there. And over time, I, I found the Armenian cucumber, which grew really well, but a little lacking in some texture, color, water content, depending on how you pick them. So a couple of years fast forward, I become a member of the Tucson Organic Gardeners. It's a little club and gardening club in Tucson. Uh-huh. And while... And yeah, while attending one evening, I had a conversation with gardening guru named George Brookbank. And at one... No way! Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow! Yeah, yeah. He's, like, yeah. he's like the gardening god of desert gardening. Well, he's, he's the one who set me on my path, so I'll explain. Uh, oh, so one, cool. One of, the, one of the meetings we were... We were talking, and, and uh, he said, you know, I told him about my concerns with the, you know, the light Armenian cucumber, and he said, why don't you try something called a serpentine cucumber? So I was like, well, what's that? So basically, that kind of led me to, you know, different kinds of Armenian cucumbers, different kinds of carousello, different kinds of just all different kinds of melon cucumbers. And over time, like, as I've gotten things that have tasted really good and, and beautiful and all these things, I just kind of expanded, and, and, and that's basically it. So there you have it. Wow. So when was that? That must have, if you were in Tucson in 2006, so that must have been about 10 years ago that you were talking to George Brooke Banks. Yeah, yeah, probably, it was probably 2007, 2008 when I talked to him about that, yeah. Yeah, before he passed away, yeah. Wow, wow, so, what, yeah. what a great mentor to have. <laughs> yeah, he was a great guy. He was, he was really fun. Yeah, I never had the chance to meet him, but I have some of his books on my shelf. That's great, yeah. So, cucumber melons, we talked about those in your bio. What's the difference between a cucumber and a cucumber melon? Okay, so regular cucumbers are, S, are C. sativas. It's a cucumus. Sativas and 
Cucumber melons are sea mellow, like a muskmelon or cantaloupe or honeydew. Oh. Cucumber melon, yeah, yeah. So cucumber melons are melons that are picked immature as a cucumber. So they start out as cucumbers and they grow to become a kind of bland tasting melon. So botanically speaking, they're the only kind of vegetable I know that grows into a fruit. Oh, interesting. So you can grow them with other melons, but then they'll cross. But if you grow them with cucumbers, then they'll never cross. So if you grow them right next to the regular cucumbers, they won't cross at all. And this is why I mentioned it when I was reading your bio. This is part of the reason you have gardens all over the place rather than just one in your backyard. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I have a lot of varieties that I'm working on and that I really enjoy, but I can't grow all my varieties at once. The real rare ones, I decide which one is the most important and needs to be grown out so that others can have access to it and so that I can keep my seed stock going from then on. So I have some friends who let me use their gardens. I make sure the gardens are far apart from each other so each variety is kept pure. No one around me is growing melons so I can keep each variety pure and enjoy the harvest and enjoy just growing them. And they're super easy. They're super easy, hardly any work. And a lot, they produce very well. Wow. And how many varieties of cucumber melons are you growing? Or do you also grow cucumbers? I do grow a little bit of cucumbers now and then. And, and I sell some seeds of regular cucumbers. But I usually grow about three at a time during the summertime, however many gardens I have. And then I have transplants that come in to kind of switch things over quickly so I can have at least two crops per bed over the summertime. Wow. Uh, So I'm on your website, cucumbershop.com, and what I'm looking at on the front page then are, they look like cucumbers, but they're a cucumber melon? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So a lot, and the history behind this is they've been grown in Europe and many other kinds of areas of the world for longer than regular cucumbers have. So they're the kind of cucumbers that, like the people of Israel and, and, and the Bible wanted to go back to Egypt for. And they were grown year-round for an emperor, Roman emperor. He wanted them year-round. So each, a lot of countries have their own individual varieties and their own names for them. And so they can be found with different names throughout the world. And most of the ones I have and offer come from southern Italy because that's the hot spot for these cucumber melts. So there you have it. Wow. And how many different varieties are you growing out? Oh, that is a good question. Per year or per, like, all together? All right, let's talk about your seed collection. How many different varieties of cucumber melon and cucumber seeds have you grown out in the past and you have in your collection? About two dozen or so, so quite a few. Nice, nice. And and then you grow them out individually right. in your garden. So you're growing out, what, one or two varieties in each garden a year? Right, per, you, correct, correct. Usually... Two or, yeah, two varieties. If I was down there in Arizona, I could grow at least three varieties a year. Uh-huh. Yeah. And do you have a favorite? You know, honestly, I have to say, this is so sad. My, usually, it's not like the most recent that's my favorite. But recently, I grew the striped Caracello Lachese, this, this new variety that I got from a guy in Italy. Uh-huh. And it is just, it is just, it knocked my socks off. It's incredible, juicy, flavorful, sweet. And unfortunately, because it's so great, more critters have attacked it than any of my other varieties. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you yeah, go. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's, it's fantastic. I'm, I'm really impressed by it. And it's, it's a very heirloom variety. Most of these varieties 
been around for hundreds of years, so they're they're well adapted. And, and the one I have here is a land race, so there's a little bit of variation, but incredible seed and does so well and easy. Can I explain more about how easy they are? Please. Love okay, it. Okay, so down in Tucson, when I start growing, it's very hard to grow a lot of things, especially something like tomatoes. So, so I, I hate to say this, you know, this is for the tomato people out there. Maybe you shouldn't just, just tune out on this part, but, <laughs> but tomatoes are really hard. Tomatoes are very difficult. They actually if are, we're, if especially we, if we were in to Arizona. Compare, if, yeah, if we were to compare the, the soil of the garden to a stomach, tomatoes would be something like antibiotics. They take everything out. They, they're hard to grow. You have to babysit them. And sometimes, depending upon the year, you don't get a good harvest. Yep. Yeah, and, but cucumber melons, every, you know, they do feed a little, a little heavy, but it's easy to compensate for that. They're easy to grow. No, no babysitting. They're drought tolerant, heat tolerant. They love the heat. The hotter it is, the faster they grow. They're bitter free. They don't cause indigestion. Unlike regular cucumbers, and they're you can eat the skins and everything, and they're just they're just wonderful. I I, I can't say enough about them. So there you have it. <laughs> there you go. And what are the best practices for growing cucumber melons? Yeah, so most cucumbers and melons have really fragile root system. I don't know why they sell them in pea pots at the store, but for me. I pre-sprout them and direct seed them, or I grow them in what's called compressed soil blocks so that the roots only go to the end and then they're air pruned. There you have it. Oh, yes. Perfect. The difference between that and a pot is if you take a plant out of a pot that's a cucumber or melon, it often disturbs the roots, and then you're left a week or two behind at least if not your crop is compromised as well by disturbing those roots. And you mentioned earlier direct seeding. Tell me about that. Yeah, so direct seeding, we're talking about just putting the seed directly in the soil. I pre-sprout my my seeds so that I have them sprouted before I put them in the soil. That kind of gives me better germination and allows the plants to grow a little faster. But direct seeding is putting them directly in the ground. It's a really, really good practice for cucumber melons. Yeah. Well, there's several things that do best if you're direct seeding. So you said that you pre-sprout them. What does that look like? How do you do that? Oh, I get a Ziploc bag and a paper towel, and I make sure the paper towel is folded and put it in the Ziploc bag, add the seeds, add some water, make sure there's not too much water, put it in a warm place, wait anywhere between 12 and 48 hours, and I look at them pretty frequently to make sure they don't get too far along in the sprouting process. And once they're ready, then I put them in the ground or put them in the compressed soil block, and then uh, and then they grow. Interesting. That's a, a I've never thought about pre-sprouting seeds, and I've been growing food for over 40 years. That's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. For those that you would normally direct seed with, you, especially in in the spring, would save at least a week, if not two weeks, doing that, depending upon how fast the plant grows after pre-sprouting, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of crossover if you're growing cucumber melons, right? So they can cross-pollinate and then they hybridize? Right, right. So I make sure not to do that. What I, I don't breed any of these. Is what, I, what I do is I grow each in isolation. I select for the specific traits that each variety has, make sure that I'm selecting the healthiest plants, and that's what I save for my future seed and offer to customers. So that's, that's kind of what I do. Awesome. And what's so great about growing cucumber melons in warm, hot 
dry climates? Oh, well, they're made for those kinds of climates. They, they do exceptionally well. They, they have many, many less diseases than a lot of other vegetables, especially tomatoes. <laughs> but they, they just do so very well. They're very productive, and you don't have to have super fertile soil to be able to grow these. There's places in Italy they just work off of the winter rain, and they grow it without adding any water. Obviously, in Arizona, it may, it's always a good idea to add some water. But generally speaking, they can produce a lot of them without too much added moisture. And so they're very drought tolerant, generally speaking. Awesome. So you grow something called a carousello cucumber. What makes it so special? Okay, so regular Armenian cucumbers, if you've ever seen them, they're light colored and they're long. One of my favorites. There's, uh, there's yeah, there's, there's a white one, there's a dark one, there's a striped one, which is often called the painted serpent. Caracello are the Italian cucumber melon, and there are so many different varieties over there. The colors, the shapes, the sizes, some are dark, some are light, some are striped, some are splotched, some are round, some are cylindrical, all different colors, shapes, and sizes. And if I could get my hands on them all, I would. But, you know, unfortunately, some of the individual gardeners in Italy are protective of them. But there's, there are sometimes ways to work around that. So. <laughs> well, and maybe you need to do a trip to Italy. Have you done one of those yet? Well, I have not gone to Italy yet, but I would love to someday. Oh, that would be wonderful. It's amazing. In 2004, I spent three weeks in Italy kind of exploring the back roads and gardens. And and then fast forward to 2014, I spent three weeks in Croatia. And one of the wow. stunning things for me was that every single yard in both Italy and in Croatia, they were all growing their own food. It was really quite inspirational for me. It's like, man, we got to get this going in the States. Yeah, I wish we would do that a lot more here. That's for sure. Yeah. So what's your hope for the future of what you're working on? Well, my hope for the future is that I can have other people offer me some of the varieties from different places like Israel, Jordan, you know, Africa, all these different places that I can find people and be able to get some more varieties from them. I also hope to be able to get some kind of farmer and southern Arizona or, you know, like Yuma or somewhere else to be able to grow out some of my more stable varieties that don't need as much uh, work to make sure that they're produced uh, consistently, marketable fruit, and so that I can expand as well. That would be nice as well. But for now, I'm continuing to be a teacher, which I love. So, there you go. Where do you teach at? I'm a traveling teacher of the deaf and hard of hearing. I teach in Contra Costa County. Oh, good for you, man. Good job. Yeah. Thanks. And do you ever teach them about gardening? Not yet, but I did plant a garden just today in an area over there where kids can get to it and employees can get to it and harvest some fruit. And yeah, it's wonderful. Nice. So tell me about a missed opportunity to get a cucumber you were after. Yeah, so I have a friend named Giuseppe in Italy, and he was growing out this one variety that was just beautiful. It was light-colored, 
cylindrical variety with these dark flecks, almost like paint flecks. It was just it was a beautiful variety. Everyone who looked at it said, oh, this is just beautiful, and I agreed. And by the time I get, got around to asking, hey, did you save the seed, the plant was gone, and you'd already eaten up all the fruit. And I said, oh, we lost it. So we, try, we tried uh, you know, the rest of the seed lot, and none of them were like it. It was just this fluke incident that, you yeah. know, just, lost all, just a lost opportunity, but that's it, you know. Yeah, you gotta, we got to stay on top of those, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. You used the word land race yes. earlier. Tell me about what that is. So a land race is where you do grow out of a large, of a large grow out of a specific variety. And when that's grown out, you have, a, you have some uniformity generally, but you have variation in the population. That variation in the population helps that variety to be more resilient to change. So land races are specific varieties of whatever vegetable or fruit or, or whatever it may be that is grown to be able to be variable or to weather the future problems and everything else so that so people can grow them in whatever climate, in whatever situation, and they're just a lot more adaptable. And generally a lot more stable, right? Right, right, exactly. There, with, with my land race, there's some variation. With most land races, you do want a degree of variation because if they're too stable, then that makes them liable to have problems in the future if if they can't grow in a warm climate or a cool climate. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. All right, cool. And what is your intent? What's your hope for the future with the cucumber shop, and what do you do with it? That's a really good question. So currently it's a hobby business. I love doing it. I love working on it. I don't know, maybe have one of my children take it over later. But if I'm able to get it bigger and get more people involved, I'd like to get more restaurants involved. I'd like to actually see it out in the marketplace more, in more farmer's markets, because it is they're incredible. I've had people try them, and they're like, this is just so good. And I say, yeah, why aren't more people growing them? So, yeah, there you have it. Cool. So if people want to get cucumber seeds, they can go to your website. What kind of varieties do you have available? How much are they? What's that look like? Okay, so currently I've been, you know, trying to figure out the free shipping thing and all that. Currently, they're, most of the packs are about one ninety nine for, I, I say, two dozen seeds, but I actually put a little bit more in there. Which, um, by the way, is a screaming deal for a packet of seeds, everybody listening out there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, especially when, you know, I, I put a lot of work into each variety and, you know, the, the cost does not equate to the time. So there you have it. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and I have uh, regular cucumbers and cucumber melons and I got the cucumber melon as well for those who like that. So, yeah. Cool. And so people can just go to your website. What's your website? Cucumbershop.com. I'm all, they can also find me at cucumberseed.com. I own that domain, so it just sends them to Cucumber Shop. Nice. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. Well, the main failure that I, I already brought that up, it was with the Caracelo Barise that my friend had that we missed out on. So, you know, any, any kind of missed one-time opportunities are failures, however that happens in life. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, no, just I, right. I try not to miss any opportunity that I have, yeah. So what do you consider your biggest success? Other than my family, in gardening, it's taking the long view, recognizing what I can do, what I can't, constantly finding creative ways to achieve desired results. 
And advances in gardening are rewarded to the observant. So. Nice. And what drives you? Finding new varieties that have a place, a name, and a history that's not only incredibly valuable to people, but is incredibly beautiful and delicious. Yeah. And how do you go about finding those? You know, I just have to look around. I make connections with people in Italy and abroad, and I just do my best to be nice to people and be honest and and try to go, yeah, run an honest business. How do you... So that's awesome. And how do you connect with somebody from Italy? I mean, that's, you know, we, well, live in, we live on the West Coast and Italy's, what, 5,000, 4,000 miles away. What do you do to connect with people? Well, it's kind of funny. What happened was I was finding more cucumber melons and blogging more about these different cucumber melons. And then they found me. Uh, they, you know, nice. they, they, they came to my blog and I started connecting with them that way. Cool. So, all you listening out there, if you're interested in cucumbers, connect with Jay and share seeds. <laughs> so, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? So, I'm going to just recommend two. So, I am all about the intricacies, intricacies of the basics. So, my go-to guide for general gardening is the Big Book of Gardening Skills by Gardenway Publishing. But recently, I found a real cool book, which is the Garden Seed Saving, Saving Guide by Jill Henderson. And that's just a real basic seed saving guide that's really helpful. Anyone who wants to learn about seed saving, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, excellent. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Yeah, that's a good question. Whatever is most important in life, do that. If you can't now, either you need to change your problem-solving perspective or you haven't worked on it long enough, so there you have it. Yeah, there you go. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Jay. Oh, well, thank you. Again, Greg, I really appreciate it, and I'm always willing to talk about cucumbers. I <laughs> love that. So how can our listeners find you? Tell, tell us all the ways. Okay, so I'm at cucumbershop.com. It's jay at cucumbershop.com is my email. I'm on... Let's see, YouTube, and you can look at my blog. You can contact me that way, any way you like. Perfect. What's your blog address? It is scientificgardener.com or scientificgardener.blogspot.com. Perfect. Perfect. We also want to thank Jay as he's got five packages of his favorite cucumber seeds that need a new home. And we're going to share them with you, our listening audience. Email us at podcast at urbanfarm.org with the subject line, I am pickled about cucumbers. Make sure you to provide us with your name and mailing address. We will pick five random emails from the first 50 people that respond in the next 45 days. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash cucumber shop. We are your urban farming resource. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and everywhere podcasts are found. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Hey, if you've enjoyed this podcast and are interested in listening to my first podcast series, Freshly Green from 2007, you can subscribe to support the Urban Farm Podcast. With that, you will have access to Freshly Green and so much more bonus content. Visit urbanfarmpodcast.org to find out more and to pledge your support. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. 
You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.